Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 31st of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson of HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh of HockeyHurts.com. This edition of the podcast, we will discuss All-Star Weekend. We had three uh, very specific days on the weekend. Friday was a celebration of the NHL's 100 greatest players of all time. Uh, no shortage of discussion there. I, I imagine we'll get stuck on that one for a little bit. <laughs> Saturday, you have the skills competition, uh, which, you know, for me in most years is better than the games. Uh, maybe not the case this year. And Sunday will, was the All-Star game, Games, plural. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the setup they do now, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So we'll, we'll run the gauntlet Friday. Saturday, Sunday, and since I'm so um, well prepared, I will. Uh, I, I just put out a tweet to get some questions. If we get any, um, we'll answer that. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> Friday. What, what, what was your overall thought process of the the top 100? Okay, so I'm going to separate this into two completely different things. Yep. The idea of the top 100 and getting those collection of players, because that list is predominantly right. Yes. There are some glaring mistakes, and we are certainly going to talk about them. But overall, to get that collection of players into one place, and I just thought it was amazing, awesome to have them all there. I thought the event was super cool. The list, not so much. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. The more I look through the list, the more befuddling the particular players that we're going to discuss crop up for me. That's the thing that, that, that sort of has me a little confused when you look at some of the guys that are in. And I, I, I'm trying for myself to make comparisons of players that I've watched. So, you know, I'm only talking about stuff to like 88, things along those lines, where I've got to see old games of players back then and, and enough of them that I feel like I've got a decent feel for what they did in their era and what their numbers meant for their era. I haven't gone and done any of the, you know, tried to do the um, era relative comparisons and things along those lines, but you, you do have a look at how you can tell some people got in based on hardware and then you go, well, how come this person didn't get in based on hardware and, and, you know, this person got in because they were a part of 65 Stanley Cups, and it's like, well, Stanley Cups don't measure the greatness of an individual's ability for a top 100, and that's probably where I get angry with some of the selections that were put in the, the top 100. I thought the list was heavily skewed to um, players' 80s and before. I'm biased. That, I believe the current generation is always the best generation because of technology and workout and proper training. Yep. I thought the current generation, 90s and, and sooner, was shortchanged. Do you think that was because there's, you go, there's Gretzky and then there's Lemieux and then everything after that is compared against those two? I think that's part of it. I mean, that's... The, that. The, Wayne's numbers are a perfect. We've discussed this before. The, it, it was a perfect storm of player ability. He's an all-time great. That's not even debatable. Team, 
quality of teammate, insane. Wide open, no defense being played, 80s style hockey, the highest uh, era of goal scoring in the league's history. And when you combine those, are you really going to hold modern players to that kind of standard? That seems a little bit absurd. No, I I agree, and I've, I've just I've been looking up and down the list, up and down the list, and I don't understand how someone like Matt Sundin gets in, but Joe Thornton can't. Well, do we want to talk about the elephant in the room? What the? How the fuck is Evgeny Malkin not on this list? Well, that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that one either. I it's just, embarrassing. It's, so to be honest, the direct swap, if you're going to go, we're only going to have six current players. It's Taze for Malcolm. That's the direct swap. Yeah, well, okay. And you, don't even, and you don't even have to do it that way. I'm just saying, if they're going to go, oh, we're only giving six modern players, how Malcolm, with everything that he's done in the league, doesn't get in in front of Jonathan Taze isn't a knock on Jonathan Taves. It's just, what else does Malcolm have to do? Taves, in the perception of some, needs to be taken down like five pegs. He's not an all-time great. No, He's a a very good player on a very good uh, team. But all-time great, I mean, even error adjusted, his point totals are not in that upper echelon. He's never up for a heart. He's kept in clutch or whatever, and he only scored three goals during that one playoff run. There's a lot of this, this one of those things. It's a little bit like the Norris conversations we had last year. When we get into these sort of conversations, it's like we're saying Jonathan Taves isn't a, a good player or has, you know. Has had great years. Yeah, and he certainly has, but you, you get there, and I just, I don't, I don't get that one. That's probably the Jonathan Taze one's probably the one that knocks. Oh, me I the do most. get that one, but I know what you're saying. It, it, well, yeah, I mean, I get it, but it's like that's the one that knocks me the most because you go, you've got Thornton that should have gone in in the current era, you've got Henry Lundqvist that should have gone in from the current era, you've got Malkin that should have gone in from the current era. It's like there are three players that have uh, been at the the top line of their position for a decade, and they can't get in. I'm telling you right now, Malkin is closer to the top 50 than a top 100, and probably even arguments for top 30-ish. So how how do you sit there and and I want do we know even know who's on this committee? Yeah, yes, I have it in front of me right now, but I'm not. Yes, gonna, I I can't. I'm not going to read through every single person on here, but I'm going to throw out a few names. So you got Kevin yes. Allen of USA Today. Gary Bettman, Scotty Bowman, Colin Campbell, Scott Burnside, Bill Daly, Ken Danico. Ken Danico, okay. Uh, Helen Elliott, she writes for the LA Times. Mike Emmerich, Renee Fossil, Ray Ferraro, Stan Fischler. What the? Come on. He's just going to vote for all the old timers. He, he don't even know what he's watching. He sucks. Uh, I don't. Ken Holland. Oh, God. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> Let me get to some of the better ones. Pierre Maguire. Mike Milbury. Oh, oh. Mike Milbury's on this. Oh, well, no wonder Malcolm didn't get in. Surprised Ovechkin managed to get in. 
John Shannon, who I saw a tweet, he laughed at the idea of Malkin being suggested for this. He shouldn't be on a panel like this. What 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 else do you have? James to do? Myrtle tweeted out the fifty-eight voters. So if you really want to go through the list, you know some people on there like Ray Ferraro. I I think he's pretty pretty good about things. Uh, so there are people on there that are certainly respectable, but some of these are just like what? What's Pierre giving you? What does he know about anything besides where, what town they're fucking from? That you, you baby told exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, Pierre. I do not give a fuck. Get off my TV, <laughs> you useless piece of shit. You don't teach anybody anything. And and the stuff you do try to teach is wrong. You're not modern. You, you you're 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 an idiot. And if you don't believe me, go read the Hartford article from when he was fired from the Whalers. That might be my favorite hockey article of all time. Well, I have to go look that one up. I maybe I'll give you the link and you can post it on the. Podcast uh, post. Yeah, I might do so that. So we can reference that. That's worth anybody's time, and I'm sure some people out there that are listening right now have read that and they're smiling <laughs> at, at just how good that is. It's basically Pierre gets undressed in the most best possible way ever by a local Hartford guy that just crushes him, crushes his <laughs> ego. There are references to Yammer Yager. Um, just loving the fact that he scored on a penalty shot to shut up that know-it-all. <laughs> uh, he would brag about shutting Mario Lemieux down, but like Ron Francis would go off for five points. And it's like, okay, congrats, you lost by four. Yeah, it's you, um, you dipshit. So okay, I didn't, mean, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to go off on a Pierre Maguire tangent, but he's on this list, so you know, there it is. Anyways. Well, when you reel out some of those names that have selected this, you're right. There is a massive slant to these people that grew up watching these players as kids and then as as journalists and, and you know continue to be journalists or as broadcasters or or panelists now. They're always going to gravitate towards those guys. They're always going to get there and say, well, I remember these guys being great players in in that era. Why should we put the people that are in in there? like? You go and do a, you go and do this in two hundred for you know for the two hundred year thing. How the hell is Malcolm getting in that list? Common sense would be my answer. I agree with you, but the, this particular league has done a great job of, of not using common sense for many things. Now the Taves stuff, I've you know I just said I don't think you should be on there. Patrick Kane has a much more valid argument, and I'll and it plays into my Evgeny Malkin argument. There are four players of all time that have won the Hart, Con Smythe, Art Ross, Ted Lindsay, and Calder. Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr, Evgeny Malkin, Patrick Kane. That that just baffles me that you've got all of those bits of metal and no, still not enough. Still not enough. Malkin is currently the 14th overall points per game in the history of the league, despite playing in the current era he's in. And he's the number two active player, only behind Sidney Crosby, his teammate. So what gives? I'll tell you what gives. He's not a good old Canadian boy. You're going to wait to answer that. That's simple. 
what else is there? It's not being judged on player ability, clearly. It's not just... only that, he's entertaining to watch. He's not like a boring guy that's racking up this stuff. He's doing highlight reels, spinoramas, backhand off the post, uh, complete total one-timer cannons. Uh, he can score literally every way. He's a great passer when he skates through the neutral zone. It's awesome to see how he's going to manage his way through and dangle people. Entertainment value with Malkin is as high as any player in the league right now. Um, Connor McDavid's probably a little bit higher than him because of age, and he's still got just an incredible speed that nobody has right now. There's nothing about Malkin that speaks to, yeah, he's not 100 greatest, other than, well, there it is. Because you get there, you go, okay, Joe Newendike's in there ahead of him. It's like you look at everything you just reeled off about Malkin, strips Newendike down. You know, Mike Madonna, who I think should be in there, strips him down as well. I just, Eric Lindros, just, you know, it, it's just, oh, I, it just frustrates me. Like Pat LaFontaine, I've heard a few people say they want LaFontaine out of this list, but his points per game over his career is ridiculously high. So, but what awards did he win? What, what, you know, what Stanley Cups did he win? Well, you get into that era adjusted. He played a good chunk in the 80s, and you do have to, like, how many 80s players are in there? And it's like, well, gee, duh. They're looking at raw counting totals, and nobody's era adjusting for anything. Because I, I, once again, Joe Thornton gets another snub for something that you just go, really? Yeah, and, and that's clearly he hasn't won a Stanley Cup. That, that's ridiculous. what that is, right? I mean, did Adam Oates win the Stanley Cup? No, no, but he, he's. I would have him out before Thornton. Yeah, do you, do you get what I mean? No, it, it's like they've been really select. It's like they've been really selective in regards to when they do apply a rule or when they don't apply a rule. And that's that's where I get get frustrated with it. So I do want to say one thing uh, after we've. Um, we're, we're beating up Taves a little bit here, like we commonly do. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you alluded to it. It's tough when you have these conversations because you're 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 ripping down a player to make a point about another one. But it isn't his fault. No, this is not his fault. He is very good to great. He should get that praise. Yes. Oh yeah. The, the problem is that we have people who are bad at analyzing hockey. They're hijacking him for their own personal narratives. That is nothing to do... Like, he did not say, yeah, yeah, do that, do that. People are just doing it. And unfortunately, you have, you know, parts of the analytics community, I would include myself in that, are just like, all right, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. This is stupid. He's good, but let's... You're, you're putting him on a like a, almost a Mount Rushmore like of modern players. And it's like, no. <laughs> so people are, like me are sick of hearing about it. I, I have to look, I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that category. Um, so now you have an undeserved toxic environment surrounding Taves discussions and it's not his fault. But I don't, the, I suppose the one bonus here for Taves, one, he's obviously not going to give a toss, but two, 
Um, you get there and look at it in the context of, you know, I suppose every player likes to look back on their career fondly and hope that they're looked upon in a positive light. I think most of the blowback you get are, like you said, from the, the, the statistical community that are obviously trying to break things down and, and make it possible to, to rank players against one another and, and, and try to find, not the level find it, I think, but a war sort of stat. Um, they're the ones that are going to be most vocal about the negative about it. I mean, usually the people that are, you know, the cheerleaders for Jonathan Taves don't take into account any of that stuff anyway. No, they, he's, the a he's, a he's a winner. He's a winner. He's a winner. Yeah. The reason I think he's so great is, like you said, he's a winner. But, you know, he's hard. He's leadership. Can't, he's great. can't measure his leadership, yo. Yeah. And I, and I suppose that's when it gets frustrating for me is that those people are constantly going to have their head in the sand and until they all retire from their cushy jobs in the media and they get replaced by people that can visually break down plays uh, on the screen and also give um, relevant um, and contextual statistical numbers for people to, to hear about, we're going to be stuck in this situation for a while. I agree. It's, um... it's maddening. Well, here's another thing with the Joe Thornton tie-in here. You can make an argument that Joe Thornton is objectively better at defense than Jonathan Taves, who's known that's like a major part of the argument. So you got Joe Thornton pumping out points left and right, and his shot suppression numbers are better. So what are we doing here? Yeah, but he doesn't play on the penalty kill, so he can't be a good defend- defensive center. Who the fuck can't play on a penalty kill? Oh, my God. Just say Another pet peeve of mine. Oh, I know. That's why I brought it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. well, we've been doing this a while. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, so, Penguins related. Chris Kunitz hasn't killed a penalty in forever since he's been on the Penguins. This year he got relegated to a fourth-line duty. All of a sudden he's out there killing penalties. Oh, wow. It's almost like he can do it because people that can play five-on-five five can also kill penalties. It's so maddening to me. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's just funny. <sighs> he doesn't look lost out there, and if you look at some of the numbers, he's actually doing really good. Yeah, I oh know. But he hasn't just... done it in eight years, so <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, it's it is it is maddening. Um, it's one of those things where I need to not let because this is literally just a game, and it's for entertainment value. But it gets frustrating when there are certain things that get pointed out. Instead of pointing out, you know, other things that would be beneficial to um, kids watching the sport so they can become better at the sport themselves. And so when, you know, I'm 70, I'm watching a much better product than what I'm currently watching now. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else? Oh, there is something else about the list. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is better than Martin Broder. Yep, he is. Yeah, yeah, I know. He is, and that's that's not debatable. Somebody will debate goalie wins and championships, but um, Pat, or Henrik Lundqvist has been above his peers consistently the last decade, and most years significantly better than his peers. And when you do that same analysis to Brodeur, he did have a few really awesome, amazing years, but overall he was just slightly above average in a lot of those years. But his team won cups and um, played the trap and 
and suppressed shots and kept the goals against down, which is more of a team stat. And people that view the older ways of looking at goaltenders, Berder is going to look really like an all-time great. When you get to the save percentage base models and, you know, looking at the mean average of his peers, it's not as impressive. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer, but he sure as shit shouldn't be on a list over Henrik Lundqvist. It's a pretty bad admission, that one. He's by far and away the best goalie in the last, what is it, 12 years or 10 years? And what is the best generation of goalies? Now. Like, right now. Like... I know you can't ignore the old players, but, like, it's tough. I, I can't take the pre-butterfly stuff seriously. And that maybe that's just a personal fault of mine, but I can't objectively look at it and be like, yeah, that, that was good goaltending. Yeah, it's a tough one for me because... I want to shit it's... on them because they were a victim to technology and technique at the time, but... I also can't ignore that the guys now are better. They It feels like they overcompensated for maybe that inherent bias, not wanting to shortchange that era. Because there's a lot of goaltenders in that era that are in this list. Yet, for some unknown reason, the you know the elite of the elite of, of the now current best goal... Look, I still I look at it and go, how is... How, like, obviously, Holmquist isn't in, and... I'm not putting Luongo in Lundqvist's Ooh, category. I was going to bring him up. Good. You know, he, he has to have a, as good a shot as any goalie floating around to, to be in this thing. If you compare Luongo to Broder, it's a hell of a lot more similar than a lot of people are going to admit. But once again, it comes down to probably the reason that, that Henrik uh, didn't get in is, is the fact that they don't have any silverware like, next to their name. There's no Stanley Cup there. No, and, and Luongo had a, a very poor Game 6, and Game 7 was meh. But he was, he's was he been consistently good, above average, for a very long time. And he's had a very good career. And now I'm not suggesting putting the following guy I'm about to say on the list, not at all. But it's it's why a guy like Thomas Vokun's career is not talked about as much as it should because he was on losing teams, yet he was awesome. Yeah, and injured. That was the other thing that did him in in regards to longevity. It's one of those things that goalies um, constantly get praised for is, is their ability to play and win. Like you said, it's a, it's a, um, a team stat, that one. But, um, so, just, yeah, I'm not looking to put him on the 100 list. It's just oh, a point no, no, no. being made about how we look at goaltenders, yeah. which I think no, I get, still I get always comp- is worth. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to this before both of us get angrier? Uh, no, let's get angry. I'm trying to think of some de- like I would almost put Eric Carlson on. I think he's clearly one of the top defensemen of all time. The only issue you've got is he hasn't had enough time in the league currently right now. What is he, 26? Yeah, but some of these guys, that's... Mike Bossy was very yeah, short. No, yep. Mike um, Bossy was well, amazing, well, though. Yep. And like you said, Eric Carlson's amazing, too. So I'm looking at some... He, I, I get the argument why uh, his sample might be a little bit too small for people to put him on the list. But then, like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Tim Horton. And it's like, 
I look him up his stats, and yeah, he played a ton of games. But in a wide open era where goalies sucked, his point totals are super low. Like, is he really? Does is he on this list if he doesn't have a coffee shop? I don't know. Well, it's a legitimate question to ask. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is he on the yep. list? Yep. No, why, no. Why is Jacques Lemaire on the list? Why is Bob well, Gainey on the list? Bob Gainey's the Jonathan Mon- Taves of the... <laughs> because they're Montreal Canadiens. That's pretty so, much like, it. guys like that shouldn't be on the list. And when you got 100 players, of course, there's going to be nitpicky things. And, you know, we're making a whole podcast on that. But the glaring omissions of, of Malkin, Lundquist, and Thornton, that's, that sucks. It's egregious. And it's... Because, you know, when's the next time they're going to do this list? 25 years? So Malkin will be, what, 55 when it comes Probably out? Yeah. So for the next 25 years, he... Like, like it or lump it, these players will take pride in being on that. That They should. And they should, yeah. <laughs> and to be like a total snub, like an over-the-top snub, that, that's that got to grind you a little bit. Hey, as a Penguins fan, let's hope it motivates him. <laughs> he doesn't, no, you know what? He don't need no motivation. I know, but you know what I mean. He's No, he's going to play the same, at the same intensity he always plays at, which is awesome. That's why he should be on the list, because he's always awesome. Yes, that's true. He is always awesome. So I don't think the list has any impact on him whatsoever, other than, you know, being upset, but I don't think it's going to change his motivation or on-ice play. He's going to continue to do what he does. And people are like me are going to continue to say he's one of the best players of all time. Which he is. Um all right, let's move off on this. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep looping around into hitting my head on the on the table. Okay. Saturday. So what happened on Saturday? <laughs> skills. I like the skills. My favorite part of the skills was the NHL finally got a celebrity appearance right. They had uh, Snoop doing the. Uh... Wow. <laughs> I yeah. don't. I don't care if he doesn't know what a radio edit is. He's the most respectable celebrity they've ever had. Ever. You're never ever going to get get him doing a radio edit. We all know that. Yeah, who cares? It's great. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I know kids are watching, but uh, as a parent, I'd just be like, you know what? They, they use some uh, words I don't think that we should use, and um, we you learn from that, and we'll continue to watch. But I most of these celebrity appearances, you're just wondering, like, does the NHL even know what the hell their target market is? No, I, I, no, no, like, I, having I, a Jonas brother on Sunday, like, is is that really the uh, target market of your NHL people? Like, nobody outside of the NHL's target market is going out of their way to watch the NHL because you got the Jonas brother there. No, that's a very, very good point. So Snoop is great because the question isn't is Snoop part of the NHL's target market. The question is. Who isn't he part of the target market? Well, that's exactly right. And you, you could get there and you could have some massive fans that aren't hockey fans. Go, you know what? I'll just check in and see what he's doing. Oh, yeah. If Snoop was on an NBA or a Major League Baseball or whatever, I would definitely tune in. Yeah. Cricket, you name it. I would tune in. Cricket? I don't care if Snoop's on. I'll, I'll be like, all right, it's got potential. 
Jeez, we've got to get him down here then, don't we? <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? So that was great. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I laughed. A really good um, example, actually. As yeah. an adult, I laughed. Um, my wife turned the DMX songs like, did that just happen? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> so I thought it, that was a great start, having Snoop in the middle, DJing it with the players coming out. Um, I liked all that. The event, I'm usually pretty excited for. I know All-Star Weekend isn't everybody's cup of tea, but I, I look forward to it. It's it's a change of pace. What Some of the events I didn't like. The new event I did not like. Is that the goalie shot? No, no, no. I like the relay. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yes, it was the one, the, the lines one, where they shot two pucks tried to you know like the score game yeah brent burns going upper shelf from the red line that was cool mike smith draining a full ice shot as a goalie through uh, the middle of a score thing which is incredibly small amazing it was but the event was boring and dull up to that point it moves slow I didn't think the players got enough pucks to shoot. As I just said, the pace killed me. That event, if Mike Smith does not drain that like one in a million shot, is a complete failure. I can't see justifying bringing that event back, hoping that another goalie nails it. And even if a goalie nails it, it's already lost its like a whoa thing. Yeah, well, somebody else has done it. I get what you mean. So I'd scrap that. Yeah, you're not going to hear an argument from me. Now, they've got rid of the the shootout joker around challenge, didn't they? Like, okay, I, so I didn't I'm, miss that. No, I, I, well, I'm split on that. There were some really cool moments the last few years, showing off player personality. I Like, Brent Burns' Chewbacca was awesome. P.K. Subban is Yager. That, I, I, like, that was good, <laughs> right? You're laughing because it was good, right? It was. So I think getting rid of that event is a double-edged sword. I understand why they would take a break from it because like the NBA slam dunk competition, there's really only so much you can do. So maybe making it like a every other year event or something, it gives the players time to come up with legitimately good ideas that haven't been done i hope they go back, to, they it go back some, to it at some point in time well who knows but i was you know, about taking a one-year break. one-year break so um why can they not get any consistency with the fastest skater competition yeah, and that's another yeah, problem. Connor McDavid, McDavid is the record holder. Record holder. Yes, in my, in my I opinion. think most people. Dylan Larkin got, Dylan the, head Larkin start. got the head start. And, and not the same as Connor McDavid being flat footed. No, and McDavid almost had him anyway. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah, he's a freak. I don't know why everybody know doesn't why everybody get the chance does... to do the the race that McDavid did. 
just going around on your own. I don't know why it's got to be a head-to-head. I'd rather all those players get a crack at the record doing it the one lap or whatever. Yeah, that doesn't make yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, when you think about it? I I don't need to see a head-to-head thing. No, you just want to watch it race against the clock. That's enough. Yeah, and then you who's the fastest? It's not complicated. It's simple. You don't have to reinvent the wheel there. <laughs> I'll say the same no, thing exactly about right. um, Hardest Shot. Stop doing head-to-head and let everybody just shoot against each other and then take, like, the top two at the end and have them do it again. Who didn't want to see Shea Weber and Patrick Laine take a few more shots? Yeah, how to, cool to go Laine? for a final. Yep. So they kind of screwed this, they're screwing that up, too. Also, I guess you could say this about a lot of the event. I don't need to see... Austin Matthews versus Sidney Crosby in, in an isolated head-to-head matchup, I can compare Austin Matthews and Sidney Crosby in the general competition of it. Yeah. And then have, like, the two finalists go head-to-head or something. Who who wouldn't want to see... Did Austin Matthews come in second on that? I think he did. So let's say it's... all the shooters just go. They're not up against one another, and it happened to be Sid and Austin. Who wouldn't want to see them go into a final and shoot again? Exactly. You want to. You, you might as well try and keep them out there for as long as you can. And if somebody's feeling hot on the day, you get to see a lot of them. I and mean, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, more player reps. I wanted to see Sid shoot again, see if he could go four for four. Yeah, why the hell not? Or even Patrick Kane is always good at that event. You know, whatever, I guess. Like I said, they do a very good job of shooting themselves in the foot. The other disappointing part for me is my favorite event was lackluster. I love the breakaway competition. And part of it has maybe been ruined by the shootout. Because back in the the day, the All-Star game, the breakaway competition, you were seeing players that pre-internet you didn't see all the time. This was their chance to flash what they had against goalies they usually don't play against. And it was just really cool to see. So with the shootout, a little bit of that shine has gone away. But, come on, guys. How many of them just went down and did a shitty five-hole shot? There's... There's no stakes in this. I know that, oh, the winning team gets to pick one. Whatever. Come on. Let's see your A-grade move here. There's no penalty for missing. There's no points on the line. Like, Brent Burns going down through his legs. He hit the post. Great. That was cool. Glad glad to see you try something. Sidney Crosby coming in and doing his uh, same old, same old five-hole shot. Sid, I've seen it like 50 times, man. I know you got hands. Let's see him. <laughs> do a fucking crazy ass lacrosse thing. I know it's in. I know it's well within your skill set. We've seen enough of it. It'd be good to see it on display, being flashy. Shit, flying Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> Have him do something. Yeah, you know um, what I mean, though. These guys are yeah. capable of some of the coolest stuff, and we get boring ass 
No Deke five-hole shots. The bits and pieces that I saw of that, it really felt like they were just trying to rush it to get through it to get it over with. And they don't have... You're already there. You don't have to do that. You get your one breakaway and that's it. There's no excuse for mailing that competition in. Yeah. There's no cardiovascular stress. You're just going (laughs) down and doing a move and that's it. So you're going in or it isn't. But at least try something cool. So I guess thumbs up to Brent Burns. I don't want to give a thumbs down to Sid, but Sid. Well, you're going to have to. It's, um, do you want to move on to Justin Bieber getting crushed by Chris Program? That was funny. The photo I saw of that, the glee on Pronger's face is, it just explains what he was as a player, really, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's, it, it was a, and the Beebs ain't bad. He can skate around a little bit. So that must have been cool for him. I don't listen to his music or nothing, but I'm not going to jump on the hate him bandwagon. No, 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 no. He seemed to uh, he seemed to take that crushing incident reasonably well. <laughs> no, and it wasn't a, um, a, a super hard hit. It was jarring enough to give him a reaction, but not... Not a classic Chris Pronger from behind hit. <laughs> He'd probably still be in the hospital. Yes, that's a very good point. Career over. Oh, yeah. Smart by him to wear a cage. I'll give him that. A lot of money yeah. in that face. Very, I bet you he didn't want to. And I bet you his management said, dude, come on. No, I bet he... Ah, well, I can't speak for him. I don't know. No, but that was um rather unfortunate the way they did that event. I was, um, I had just gotten home from coaching and I couldn't find it on TV. And then eventually people told me it was streaming on NHL.com. And I'm like, all right, this is mildly annoying, but I have a smart Samsung TV. Let me pull up the web browser. Nope. The file, the video, however the NHL does their videos, it wouldn't pop up there. I'm like, all right, I'll try my PlayStation. Nope. Um, I, I tried to s- screen mirror it from my Samsung phone to the TV. It didn't work. Like, I did all these different things in what should be a basic function with technology these days, and I couldn't get it on my TV. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going to my desktop. No, exactly. Because I, you know, I got a nine-month-old that's crawling around now, and we got the gate set up. Uh, by, <laughs> by the stairs and whatnot and you know i'm not going to leave her bombing around god knows eating what in the other room so i can watch a fucking celebrity all-star challenge just make it <laughs> fucking easily digestible on smart technology so i didn't watch it i would have it would have been nice background noise while i played with my kids but nope you know my opinion of nhl tv you know the pain i've gone through and still go through. So uh, they just don't know how to deliver their product. A little bit out for hockey streams. Yeah. <sighs> An illegal product that somehow did a better job than the actual product. And that's the thing. It wasn't even about scabbing it off and having it for free either. That wasn't the point. 
No, it was comparable price to the actual. I just paid for the one that fucking worked. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> very, very annoying. So, I don't... Uh, I didn't watch it, so I don't have much more to add on the Celebrity uh, All-Star game. Um, but I would have watched it. Why not? What else is on? Cricket. Cricket. Well, if Snoop was there, I'd watch. Yeah. Don't want to watch the cricket. <clears throat> is there anything else skills-wise? Not from Saturday, I can think of. Oh, the only thing I'll add is um, the saucer passes into the tiny nets. By far the hardest thing anybody has to do at that during that night. I'm telling you right now. Those nets are <laughs> not wide. You better have a flat saucer and you better have the angle on because that's tough. I uh, I was watching Drew Doughty going for a little bit there, and I'm just thinking, he's awesome. This is tough. <laughs> it's one of those things where I think sometimes the players at this level can make some of this stuff look too easy. And Oh, absolutely. You know, and you get there and go, one, how many hockey players have actually – use that as a training drill or actually have done that for fun or, you know, have, have gone ahead and, and used those nets. And two, how many hockey fans are like me who have never had a chance to actually, you know, play the sport, go through drills and stuff to then learn those skills, to be able to even attempt what they do. So you get there and go, oh, yeah, they're just shooting it into the net. Surely it can't be too <laughs> difficult if they can do yeah. it that free. So it, it's one of those things where – you know, in, in my head, I know how ridiculously difficult that would be and, and how wonderfully skilled these players are to make that happen. But it's not one of those things where it's easy to comprehend without actually of, of, of having a stick in your hand and, and trying some stuff on the ice. I could say the same about people that don't play golf and watch golf, and it's like, well, what's so hard about this? Yeah. Well, well everything, really. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I know same you know. concept. Yeah. But I would say that the saucer pass is one of the toughest uh, things that they do. So Sunday. I like the setup. Love three on three. I think it's better. Um, the early games, they may not try as hard as the money game, <laughs> but they are still trying harder than the five on five. The issue I have is when the game turns into a cycle. Yeah, nobody wants you know, to take on the, the guy that's guarding them and, and try to dangle them. Yeah, nobody wants to make a mistake because they don't want it to be a three-on-two the other way or, or a one-on-oh the other way. And it's like this game, like particularly the first like the first rounds, when there's nothing on the line, whilst they shouldn't be – like you said, they don't try as hard in that one. They obviously pick up the intensity a little bit because there's a mill on the line. But it's like in that first game when nothing's actually on the line – why not be a little bit creative and, and, and try a few things and try to show up your, your your fellow all-star that's on the ice? Because if you do show them up, they're going to want to do that to you the other way, and then it just sort of creates a waterfall effect. All right, so i got to apologize to a player. When we were talking about all-star selections and how yeah. certain styles of players you want there, I, I owe an apology to Wayne Simmons. He, he was very entertaining. Yes. He was doing the things that you just described. He he was flashing his hands, some backhand toe drags through the legs, 
his patience on the one goal on Price was great. Uh, he, he he was flashing skill, and I, I maybe uh, discredited his inclusion on the prior podcast. And uh, sorry, Wayne, MVP Wayne. But this is the thing, though. Like, he did the things that you and I both didn't think he was going to do or capable of doing and did them beautifully. And, and, and you know, kudos. And Cam Atkinson did exactly what I thought he would do. I think his skill set's perfect for three-on-three. Three. I was not surprised that he had success at all. No, it's he's in the – it's funny. Columbus is a strong hockey market, but they don't have a strong national presence. They nope, sort of get yet. hidden away. Not yet. I mean, this, this year is Columbus's chance to take that step and make them and Pittsburgh a rivalry. Yeah, two, they need two to, three years ago there was potential there. And then, you know, they, they really fell off Columbus. Yes. So, And it's it's like if they beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs, then it's on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. It takes them beating Pittsburgh for it to turn into a rivalry. But the, um, the, day, on, the day on Sunday, Holtby, you know, looked great. So did Bob. That's the only reason yeah. the Metro won. I thought their roster was a little bit underwhelming um, from the defensive side of things. Actually, I'll tell you what made me angry. Ryan McDonough was sitting Ovi. He just sucked yeah, the fun yeah. out of that. Ryan McDonough yeah. is a fine hockey player at 5-on-5, five five, but not 3-on-3. Three three. Are you gonna? Are you trying to tell me that Gretzky doesn't know how to coach? <laughs> well, I think he's got a sample that may speak to that. But Gretzky did the right things. Put put Sidnovi together. Everybody wants to see it. Yeah, and then you and then you put the most blah defenseman in the entire tournament with them. Apparently, there's a rule. Maybe was there a rule? Two forwards, one D. I look. I didn't know if there was a rule. For that at all, I was I was unaware. If there was, uh, even if there was, put Jones or Falk with those two. Come on. I'd have put Falk there, but yeah. Oh, guess what? The one shift Falk had was Sid Novi. Guess who scored? Sid. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And then Sid uh, returned the favor uh, with like two seconds left. I thought there should have been more of that, but Ryan McDonough was terrible. Three on three, like, you know... He's a good player, just not for that. Yeah. Three on three doesn't really... And this is the hard part when you go, you know, certain players deserve an all-star selection, right? You go, that's great. Their five on five play deserves them to go there. Then you you send them to the all-star game, and it's a three on three competition that just doesn't suit their skill sets. It's, you know, it's difficult to handle. Sid and Ovi's a weird combo, stylistically as it is, it can work, but that other third party has to be able to tote some of the mail up the ice and make some offensive plays to create space because I'm not going to use the word lazy, but in these three-on-threes, Ovi can tend to find advantageous passing lanes for himself. Which is fine. It's three on three. You should, but they didn't have the guy to push that play up to him, and Sid was left doing all the heavy lifting, and it got boring. 
Yeah, Whereas sorry. Falk could carry it up the ice, or Seth Jones. Now, Ovi's lanes make more sense. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where... I'm breaking down um, three on three, but whatever. It's the coach in you, dude. It's the coach in you. Uh, the all th- top 100 Chicago line was a combined minus nine. <laughs> was and it I, really? And I, yes. And I hate using that stat, but the people that think they're so great and think they're the best ever also use that stat. So why not? Yeah. Right. So minus good nine. For- there you go. They got crushed. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I know what you mean. I thought the Pacific team was great. I'm surprised they didn't win with Burns and Doughty back there and having McDavid. That does feel a little bit weird that they couldn't pull that out when you just mentioned just those three players, you know what I mean? I think the problem was uh, Mike Smith and uh, Martin Jones weren't just playing as well as Bob and Holtby. Which isn't a knock on them. Bob and Holtby are the two of the best right now. Yeah, they certainly are. It's good to see Bob get out there and do a little bit of a spin and a twirl. Ah, puck. yes, that was very good. That, that's what you want out of these games. Fun. And he said that himself. He said, this is the only time I'm going to get a chance to do it because, you know, it's not a real game sort of thing. It was it's the right attitude to take. No, I, I had a big smile. I laughed when he did that. It was well done. That's that's what this weekend's about, doing fun, silly, stupid things. So, anything else? Um, excuse me. No, I think that's it for me. We do have one question. Did you get any questions? I did. I got Is a good anything? one from uh, Lassiter4242. In 10 years, which 9 to 10... We might not get through 9 to 10 players, but which 9 to 10 players will be added to the top 100 of all time? Gino. McDavid. McDavid. Carlson. Yeah. Uh, he, he, mentioned, he mentions Doughty. Uh, yeah, Thornton. Maybe. Well, yeah, Thornton. You had brought up before the podcast Mark Recchi. Well, I still can't work out why. So this is the thing. If he's not in the top 100 now, how does he make a top 150? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, he doesn't, they... but why isn't he in there now? Is Yeah. Uh, um, Tarasenko, he mentions, I think certainly potential there. Yeah, Tavares probably, if he can get some teammates around him. I think players like Stamkos fall short. Yeah, well, so this is the thing. The start of the year before Stamkos got injured, I thought that he was going, I thought, bang, this is the Stamkos we had before he broke his leg. And then obviously got hurt again. So if he can't stay healthy, then, yeah, he's going to fall short. Chara was somebody who we haven't mentioned that should be on there. Yeah. Yeah. For somebody of his size, it really changed the way that position was played in his particular era, it's, I think it's very frustrating that he's left out as well. But once again, it could just be, it could just be my era bias, if that makes sense. I think somebody like Nate McKinnon, if he ever got the hell out of Colorado. I was going to say, that's, that's relevant on where he's playing. You know, I think he's really good. Yeah. Was Subban on the list? 
Um, no, Subban was he won't live. There's potential there. There's no way in hell he'll get in. <laughs> I'm just saying. Legitimately, he's he. Yes. He sniff it. Yes, I agree, but no. <laughs> I, I like your Tavares one. I'm just trying to go through the teams. Eisman um, was in this list, wasn't he? Yes, definitely should be too. Oh, thank God. Yeah, there he is. Last one on the list. I thought he was. I was like, what the Tarasenko. Hell? Well, they did it alphabetically. Yeah. Joe Pavelski's an interesting one. I mean, that guy scores a shitload of goals. He does, but is he going to cop that he was always the Robin to Thornton's yeah, Batman? probably. Not Austin, that I think Austin Matthews is an example for this. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Patrick Laine, maybe. Who knows where Nicholas Backstrom goes from here? All right, so if we're going to get there and run the whole, run the whole, Pavelski can't make it in because he was the Robin to Thornton's Batman. Oh, I'm not saying he can't get in. You're... No, but if you get there and run with that, then how does that work for Yari Curry? Because didn't he just ride Gretzky's coattails? I think that's a little harsh, but yes. Yeah, I, I am making it a black and white statement as opposed to... There was a quality of teammate factor, yes. Yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, those are just some of the names I, off the top of my head I can come up with. Um, Cameron Saletti, who will be the next dynasty in the NHL. Um, no one? <laughs> Well, what's the it's the de, what's the definition well, of dynasty now? Because I'd have said Chicago were it. Yes, they were. I would consider that a modern salary cap era dynasty. Um, I suppose if Pittsburgh rattled off a title this year, I mean they're coming strong with the roster again. But there's that so much luck in a question that I've got actually. I can um, see Toronto uh, eventually approaching consistent contender. Whether they win it all or not is up in the air. Because that's the thing. It's like you get there and go, Chicago definitely dynasty for me because it was it was three cups in six years and you go... And LA sniffed it too. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible. And even if Chicago hadn't won that many cups in there, you go... Well, they've been consistently in the Western Conference or in the Stanley Cup Finals through all that period of time. And that's where Pittsburgh probably falls short a little bit for me is that they didn't get to the Conference Finals enough. That's probably the one that that threw me off. Like you had that Philadelphia um, implosion, the Tampa Bay failure to, to be able to actually put goals in. Um, you've got the flurry blow-ups. There were situations there where if they got to the conference finals consistently, then you'd go, yep, sure. But they haven't really been able to do that. No, it's 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 you're not going to get an Islanders or Oilers kind of thing. At least I don't believe so. I don't think so. However, the Oilers and and Toronto, to me right now, feel like the closest thing to pushing up to be a Chicago. Couple of good moves for both of those rosters. Um, and they'll be contending for, for quite some time. They'll be in that second round, third round, Stanley Cup sort of situation, I think. And I, I don't trust uh, Chiarelli at all for Edmonton. Um, but it's only going to take a couple of moves for Edmonton, and they're, 
Connor McDavid's going to cover up whatever mistakes. A lot of mistakes. He's going to cover up a ton. Yeah. As he enters his prime. Yeah, but he's only going to be able to take them so far on his own. It could, you could have a year where he does take them far enough because he's that good. And if he can, a player that good on a hot streak can do anything. But it's not always on a hot streak, which is what they'll need no. right now. So, did you have um, one? I have one question. Uh, it's from uh, Smackoff01 or Tony. Um, is this particular year 71 and 81's last best chance at a cup, given their age progression and the depth franchise turnover in the next six to nine months? Short answer for me is this isn't their last best chance. Is that, uh, am I right to assume that meant Malkin and Castle? Yeah. No, I, don't, I said 71 and 87, I meant, not 81. Jesus. Throw him in there, too. Yeah, well, you Because they're all going to be together for a bit here. No, I don't think so. I think aging curves are, are real. I do, however, feel generational talents can bend the rules a little bit on those. No, the, look at Joe Thornton. The key for... Um, the Penguins moving forward is understanding that eventually they will not be able to drive the lines on their own the way they do. So basically what I mean by that right now, Sid is with Sheary and Rust, right? And he can do it in the future. It might take Gensel and Sprong to get the same results like younger, uh, more pedigree, kind of players, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. That can help drive a little bit of the play and, and do some of the more skating. But it can be done. You just can't trade uh, your high-quality futures, like top prospects and first-round picks for rentals. And they've stayed away from that recently. That's how you keep the lifeblood going. And... Their cap hits aren't terrible, all things considered. Well, they're pretty cheap, and they're you know theoretically they're going to get cheaper. Yeah, as the cap potentially goes up, you're right. So they have to to really do a good job with the development of younger players that are on those cheap ELC contracts, and they'll be fine. They, but they start getting greedy at deadlines and trade away futures and, and limit that. They won't be fine. And Chicago uh, is kind of going through a little bit of that right now. Pittsburgh did go through some of it, but kind of righted the ship. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. Um, you look at the way the the, the youth or the, the AHL players have come up and filled those roles. Um, you can make the argument that, that Shiro drafted well in the later rounds, but the issue you've got is he had no talent coming through in the first or second rounds because he was trading them away. So these guys took longer to develop and took longer than what a first or a second round player would to get into the system, like into the NHL system. So left a bit of a hole there for a few years. Did. So I think that kind of, we laid out how you keep that Crosby Malkin train going into their mid thirties. It's doable. But you got to be clever. 
and you've got to be prepared for either player or both suddenly falling off a cliff unexpectedly out of nowhere. I don't think it will really happen, but if it does, it'll get ugly quickly. Yeah, the, I mean, if it if that happens, uh, no no player's immune to not looking good in that situation. But like you, I'm not predicting that. No, neither am I. No. I mean, you look at Joe Thornton, and um, great player. He's been doing it for a long time. This year's a little bit down, but he's what thirty-seven. Something yeah. like that. So, I mean, what Sid and Gino are twenty-eight and twenty-nine, or are they twenty-nine and thirty? I can never remember. Thirty and twenty-nine for Malkin. Yeah. Sid will be thirty this August. So you look at it in that context, and you go, "That's another seven years." And Sid, of them playing I mean, at high level. Are we assuming Sid's not going to take his training serious in any of those seven years? Yeah, like he's like one of the least candidates to like hockey's his thing. He's going to drag it out as long as possible, and I mean that in a good way. So. Yes, I know what you mean. <clears throat> so, I think we covered All-Star Weekend. We did some questions. Um, the only thing I'll leave with, uh, Coach Sullivan said Malkin's making progress on his injury. Significant and progress. And Chris Letang's going to play tonight. He's a game-time decision, but we know what that means. So, <laughs> So that's good. It is good. And we'll have, they need to start uh, getting some games together as a unit. So we'll have more um, non-All-Star NHL content hopefully coming, what's today, Tuesday? Maybe Friday, I think we discussed before the podcast. So Hopefully Friday my time, or Friday your time, one of the two. We'll work it out. <laughs> might, might bleed into Saturday your time, but yes. Yeah. But we're good, so... Uh, patreon.com slash hockey hurts to donate to the podcast. Um, do you care to share some of the numbers of this podcast with our listeners? I was super oh, impressed. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks very much guys. I've got about 22,000 subscribers listening to the podcast. So, um, thank you for getting on board and sticking around considering how it started off. So, um, thank you very much. Yeah. 22. Jeez. I mean, crazy didn't uh, foresee developing this kind of following and kind of humbled that it exists so but i will say this 22,000 subscribers there's 21,950 of you that could go on itunes and give a rating <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you get off your ass and do that i'm not gonna make you pay money you have that option on patreon but to help us and it's free give a rating uh write up a review or just Click a star on however you consume the podcast. Other than that, you can help me out by going to HockeyBuzz.com and reading my Penguin articles and uh, going to HockeyHertz.com, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hertz, at Gunner Stahl. So I think that covers everything. I think so. Have a good one, guys. All right. We'll see you next time.